Lord, we ask that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to hate and abhor unrighteousness and to love your word as a result of studying it this morning. Oh, Lord, we pray that we would delve into your word and that we would be encouraged to live godly lives, upright lives before you, the God who reigns over all and who is holy himself. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, this morning uh, for the baptisms, uh, we're taking a break from our series in the book of John, uh, and I thought I'd preach on Psalm 40 this morning. I've never preached on this psalm before, but it's a familiar psalm to many of you, I'm sure, if you've been reading the Bible for any length of time and reading the psalms and studying them, because it has this wonderful picture at the beginning of the psalm of what has happened to David. David recounts at the beginning of the psalm what has happened to him. What is it that has happened to David? Well, open your Bibles to Psalm 40 if you haven't got one open already and look at what David says in verse 1. The first thing that we understand from verses 1 and 2 that that David was in some sort of pit. We read in verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. David was in a pit, a slimy pit. What was this pit that he was in? Well, we can't know exactly from the life of David what he is referring to. Uh, David, of course, was the king of Israel, and he was uh, persecuted by uh, the first king of Israel, uh, Saul, and chased around and and underwent uh, quite a lot of dangerous escapades in his life. And so we aren't quite sure what point in his life he would have uh, described as the slimy pit. But this word pit here is often used in reference to graves. So he considered that at one point in his life, he was in a grave. It was a as though he was in destruction. He was going to his death. And what could he do in such a grave? Well, the only thing that he could do as he was in this pit was that he could wait and cry out to the Lord. We read that in verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He couldn't get out of the pit. Why could he not get out of the pit? Well, it was a slimy pit. It actually says there that it was a slimy pit out of mud and mire. It was as though he was in this pit, this grave, which you can't clamber up the sides because there was nothing to hold on to. And it it may even be that the idea here is of a mud where you sink down and your feet are trapped and you can't really pull them up. This clay that is around you, you're in a bog that is sucking you down. Quicksand is another way that we can understand it, that that is what was happening to David. And so what could he do? He could only wait and cry out to the Lord for help. But what did the Lord do for David? He's recounting what happened to him. What did he do? Well, we read in verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. The Lord turned towards David. He heard his cry. And then what did God do? He lifted me out of the slimy pit, we read in verse 2. He lifted him up out of the mud and the mire. And what did God do with him once he lifted him up? Did he drop him back into the pit? No, we read in verse 2, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. David was able to stay out of the pit now. He, he's not going to fall back in. Uh, it's not as though he's, he's been lifted out of some great chasm and then he's in the back of the ambulance on a stretcher and then what happens? The stretcher starts to roll. Uh, My children and I watched a cartoon recently where this actually happened to someone. They bounced down into this deep pit, then they got airlifted up by a helicopter, popped in the ambulance, and then as the ambulance is pulling uh, pulling away, the doors swing open, the stretcher rolls out, and the person on the stretcher goes back down into the pit. It's humorous, but you wouldn't want it to happen to you. And that is not what is happening to David here. It is 
a firm place that he now stands on. He is not going back down into that pit. And what's he supposed to do now that he's on that rock? What does he do? What has God given him to do as he's now out of this pit? Well, we read in verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. David was in the pit, he was lifted out of the pit, and now he sings a new song. Not an ordinary song, an old song. He's got a new song, a song about the triumph of the Lord in his life, about the way that the Lord is his deliverer and his saviour. And so he has this new song to sing to God. And what else does he do while he's standing on this firm place? Well, we understand that he is used of God to bring others to salvation. What do we read in verse 3? He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. David stands as a witness on the firm place that the Lord has put him on the rock as a witness that this is what God does for his people. For those who trust in him, he lifts them up out of the pit and they stand on a firm place, not to fall back into the pit, but to live a life of glorifying God. So we see David is to glorify God as he stands on this firm place. He's to be a witness so that others will also turn and revere the Lord and trust in the Lord as well. And then in verse 4, one other thing that I want us to note this morning. I mean, we could go through the whole psalm, but I'm just concentrating on the first four verses here. What else do we read about this person, this uh, David? He re- we read in verse 4 that he, is ble- he says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. He has been lifted out of the pit as he trusted in the Lord. He called to the Lord. He believed in God. He believed that God could hear him. He believed that God could lift him up. Otherwise, he wouldn't have called. And as he has been lifted up and put in a firm place, he says he is a blessed man. This word blessed there can be translated as happy. Happy is the man who makes the Lord his trust. What is David doing while he's standing on the rock? While his steps are governed by the Lord now in a firm place? He is full of joy. He is happy because the Lord has delivered him from the grave, from the pit. Now, what is the relevance of this for us today? Well, we all start life in the pit. We all start life in the grave, ultimately. This world is one big pit. How do we know the world is the pits? Well, the world is a world of pain. The world is a world of pain and suffering. We're in a big grave together. Even a child, when it's born, what does it do as it comes out and it takes its first breath? It doesn't sit there contentedly asleep. It cries. There is pain and suffering in this world from the very beginning. Pain and suffering for the mum, but I'm sure it's not a pleasant experience. Thankfully, we can't remember it, our birth, but it doesn't look pleasant for the baby when it comes out. It used to be nice and warm and fuzzy in a place, and now it's in this unstrange world. It's a place of pain and suffering, and so it cries. And as we go through life, we understand again and again that this world is a place of pain and suffering. Some people manage to dress up their section of the pit. They think that my pit is not like other people's pit, and it's all okay, and I'm not really in the pit. But it's only a matter of time before they realise, yes, this world is the pits. I may have been born a prince, but even princes go through their pain and suffering. And also, as we come into this world and we recognise that it's the pits, why do we recognise it's the pits? It's because this world is a world of sin. 
We wrong others. We see it happening again and again. We hurt others. And the guilt weighs upon us. It is the pits to be in this world and to see my actions again and again of hatred and hurt towards others. And then, of course, others wrong us as well. We may think that we're okay in the pit, that we're, we're the good ones here. But we're definitely sure that the other people are behaving like they're in the pits. That the way that they treat us, the way that they hurt us again and again, that we recognise that this world is the pits. I mean, it's awful. Some of the stories that you hear of what people do to others and even what people do to children. It's incredible that people could think that this world is not one big pit. The way that people hurt one another and including even young children, the way that parents can even be so cruel, cruel to their children. Sometimes you come across these stories and you just cannot believe it. Why not? Because you've forgotten that we're in a pit. We're in the pits in this world. And how else do we know that this world is the pits? Well, we recognise that we're all sinking literally in this pit, into the grave and into hell itself, the great pit of all, the bottomless pit. We are sinking down in this world. We begin in the pits and we continue to sink down, down, down into the bottomless pit, which is hell itself. And how else do we know that this world is the pits? Because we can't get out. We can't get out. We can't get ourselves out. Why? The world is covered in slime. The slime of sin. There is no firm place to stand. Every time we try to turn over a new leaf and live as though we're not in the pits, that I'm going to be a good person this year, we recognise we can't lift ourselves up. We are gradually sinking down, down, down. And slimy sin coats every offer of help that comes our way. Reason and logic, they're coated in sin. People have their biases. Even in the universities, they have their biases as to what they believe. And it's their sinful nature gets infected into their mind and they'll believe all kinds of extraordinary things that are inconsistent with logic and reason. Sin coats our experience. We think we know things. We think our senses are being reliable and true, but people's senses can lie to them. You can think you're seeing something that's not quite there. There can be illusions. You don't think that you can, uh, you can be wrong. But we see again and again in our life that we can think things about others that we have seen and we take it in the wrong way. Sin coats it. A slime of the pit coats it. Traditions, of course, are infected by sin. You think that your parents are right in everything while you're younger. It doesn't take long before you're a teenager and you start to think that your parents are not right about anything. Uh, but because that is because you recognise that your parents... Sin. They make mistakes themselves. They're not perfect. They're coated in the slime of sin as well. And false religions are coated in sin. Uh, they have their own agendas, their own sinful biases. And even, I was reading a book this uh, week about, I mean, it's a bit dated now, it was written in the, in the 70s, about the way that the world, the different things that people chase after. And, of course, at that time, it was the psychedelic drugs. They were meant to be the answer as to how you achieve enlightenment that you experiment with these different drugs and some of them can help you to achieve enlightenment. Uh, there was this understanding that, uh, it was interesting in the book, it said that the, the Middle Eastern religions, religions like Hinduism, you, you can get to be transcendent from this world by fasting and meditation over a few decades. And then these Westerners 
were trying to get to the top of the mountain that this Hindu had already been at, and you think this is figuratively, that he's been able to ascend out of this world by fasting and meditation and by the use of LSD. You can, it's like any helicopter ride to the top of the mountain without doing all the work over the years. But even then, they recognise that people, based on your biases and your sinful ideas, you have different experiences. One person takes LSD, another person takes LSD, and they have different experiences. Why is that? It's because of the sinfulness of man. The slime is all over things. Substances aren't going to help you. They're coated in sin as well because of you who takes them. So is there no hope? Is there no hope to get out of the pit? Well, yes, there is. There is a hope. There is one who is not coated in the slime of sin. Who is that? It's the Lord Jesus. Why Jesus? Why is Jesus the answer? Well, it's because he came down into the pit and was lifted up out of the pit, along with all those who cling to him. This psalm actually describes the Lord Jesus, and it's used in the New Testament to refer to Jesus. It's quoted about him in Hebrews chapter 10, particularly verses 6 through to 8. If you know your New Testament fairly well and you know Hebrews 10, you can see that it's a, a literal quote there in verses 6. Uh, and uh, down to verse 8, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come, it is written about me in the scroll, I desire to do your will, O my God, your law is within my heart. You can go away this afternoon and read Hebrews 10 and see it quoted there about the Lord Jesus. But we can also understand that these first verses refer to the life of the Lord Jesus as well. How do we know that these first verses refer to the life of the Lord Jesus? Did he come down into the pit? Did he come down into this world, which is the pits? Yes, he did. Not because of his sin, because he never sinned. He was the son of God who's dwelled in eternity past, always righteous. But he came down into this world and took on the slimy sin of others and lived in this pit. Did he really suffer in the pit like we suffer in the pits? Yes. Imagine the most painful bodily experience you can. Imagine the most psychological pain that you can imagine. Jesus went lower than that. His pain was greater than what you can imagine. Pain of body, pain of soul, the psychological pain. He went down. At the cross, Jesus was experiencing the most intense bodily pain, and the most intense psychological pain upon his soul as the wrath of God was poured out upon him. The hell that we deserve was poured out upon his righteous soul. Hell at its fullest heat for many, many people was put against him. Even those who go and suffer in hell, they suffer for their own sins. They don't suffer for multiple people's sins. The Lord Jesus, the pain he experienced at the cross... He was in the pits. He was in the pit far more. He's gone far deeper into the pit of this world and the next of hell than anyone has ever gone. But what did the Lord Jesus do? Well, we read. Verse 1. I waited patiently. Picture Jesus saying this. Yes, it's written by David initially, but it for, it, it, it's, it's a prophecy for the Lord Jesus as to what he would say. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. The Lord Jesus, did he cry out to the Lord for help while he was on this earth? Yes. Yes, while he was in the pits. What do we read in Hebrews 5 verse 7? During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. 
That's what's being described there in verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. You see him there on the cross. What does he cry out on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There he is, crying out to God for help and waiting for the Lord's deliverance. And what happened? Well, the Lord heard him and lifted him up. Lifted him up from the grave and in a resurrected body. Lifted him up higher than David was ever lifted up. Lifted him up to heaven itself where he is on a firm rock. He's on a firm place there in heaven. He's sitting on the throne of God in session right now. That is what is being described there in verse 2. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, literally out of the grave. And he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And what did the Lord do this? Uh, what, did, what does Jesus do in response to this? He's on this firm place. Well, what do we read in verse 3? He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. The, you know, the King David, he praised God. The Lord Jesus, of course, praises God. Uh, we read of him praising God in the New Testament and even in Revelation chapter 15, we hear of the song of the Lamb. The song of the Lamb. You can read it this afternoon and see how the Lamb praises God for the deliverance given to him. And then what does God do with the Lord Jesus as he's been lifted up and put on a firm place? Well, what did we read happen to David? Verse 3, the second part, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. What does God use Dave, uh, the Lord Jesus' deliverance for? So that others will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him and be delivered as well. That is what the Lord Jesus is doing now. His testimony right now that you too can be saved from the pit. See what happened to me. Fear the Lord and trust in him and be delivered yourself. That is one of the things that the Lord Jesus is doing. Many things, of course, but one of the things that he is doing is he's being used to bring people to be delivered by trusting in God as well. And that is what we do at this church as well. We recognise that we can be delivered, that Jesus has become the source of salvation for all who obey him because he has been lifted up out of the pit. How are we saved by Jesus? How can we be these ones who are lifted up as well? Well, first, we've got to admit that we're in the pit. We've got to admit that we're in a pit. The world will tell you, no, 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 it's not that bad. No, we've got to admit that we're in the pit and we can't get out ourselves. That there's no way I can get out. I've tried and tried and tried, but I can't. And so what do we do? We cry out to God. We cry out to God for help. Like we read here, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. And then what happens? Well, God hears. We read in verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. The Lord hears, he turns to us, and he lifts us up out of the pit. He lifts us up out of the pit, and he does that by attaching us to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. As we trust in the Lord, we are saved. Why? Because by faith... We're attached to the work of the Lord Jesus in this world, that we have actually gone with the Lord Jesus down into the deepest depths of the pit. Further than we have gone in this life, down deeper, deeper, deeper where he went, to hell with him. And then we were buried with him, and then we are raised with him. And we sit with him at God's right hand even now. We've been lifted up and put on a rock 
We are on that cornerstone which is the Lord Jesus. We read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Jesus is like the big cornerstone of a house. And then we are like little stones that are built on him. He is the firm place on which we stand. And what do we do? Well, we are used by God to bring praises to him. Just like David was lifted up and then praised God, that is what happens to us as well. We praise God, not an ordinary praise, but an extraordinary praise because he's done an extraordinary work in our lives. It's all very well to praise God for his creation and the way that he provides for us day by day, as some hymns will do. But there's a new song for those who have been delivered. It is the song of redemption, that we have been redeemed from the pit. We have been lifted up. And so we have this new song that we sing in praise to God. And what else are we doing in this firm place? Well, then we become witnesses as well. Verse, two, uh, verse 3, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. As we are delivered from the pit, as we are given new life, others see and say, I want that. I want to be delivered from the pit. I want the joy that you have in standing in the firm place. Remember three things we see there that happened to David. He got a new song. He was used as a witness so that others would be saved. And then thirdly, he was a happy man. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He was testimony to that. And that's what we are. We are happy people as Christians. We are joy-filled Christians because we've been delivered. And so people see that. And they want it, and they want to trust in Jesus Christ for themselves so that they can be lifted up from the pit. There's no joy or pleasure or happiness known in this world that is greater than the happiness of knowing Jesus has lifted me up from the pit, that he has lifted me up from the pit, and now I sing praises to him and love to see others come to him and share that joy that I know. And this is exactly what has happened to Ben and Naz and so many in this room. Both Ben and Naz recognised that they were in the slimy pit of destruction. They were sinking deeper and deeper. And they recognised this dreadful situation. And so what did they do? They did what was we read for in one, verse 1 of Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. They both, I don't know what exactly they were saying, their testimonies in a short moment, but they both have told me that they cried out to the Lord in prayer. They waited upon God and asked for his help. And then what happened? Well, God heard their cry. And the Holy Spirit united both Ben and Naz to Christ by faith, which means Naz and Ben have died with Christ. The pains of hell have been poured out upon Christ while Naz and Ben are united with him. They've been buried with Christ and they've also been raised to life in Christ Jesus. They have eternal life even now. And that's the wonderful picture of baptism. Full immersion baptism, not this sprinkling that some churches do, which over the centuries they've just inserted that meaning onto the name of baptism, the word baptism. Baptism originally meant immerse, dip. And that's... And the reason we do the dipping is because the Bible instructs it, but it's this wonderful picture of what has already happened to Ben and Naz. They have died with Christ, buried with Christ. Under the water, you are buried, immersed under the water. And then what happens when they come up out of the water shortly? They will breathe again. New life. 
That is what has been pictured in their baptism. The fact that they have been down into the pit, into the grave, died, buried, but have come back up to life with the Lord Jesus in his resurrection. And what has God then done for them? Well, he set their feet upon the rock. They're living stones upon the stone that is Jesus Christ, that foundation stone, that cornerstone. Not, and so they will never fall back into the pit. They can't go back into the pit. They're out of the pit. They've died, buried, and been raised to life. And so they'll never need to be baptised again. This baptism was one baptism. There'll be no new baptism for them because there's no new death for them. There's no new burial and there's no new resurrection for them. They're already raised. So they will not be baptised again. And so what are they doing now as they've been set upon the Lord Jesus? Well, Ben and Naz are singing praise to God, praise to the God who saved them. And they're being used by God to bring others to himself. That's what we read here that happened to David and it happened to Naz and Ben as well. He put a new song in my mouth, verse 3, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. God is using them even today. He may use them so that you see what has happened to them, so that you too fear the Lord and trust in the Lord and are saved yourself. And then what else do we see has happened to Ben and Naz now that they're on that rock? Well, what did we see happen to David? What happened to the Lord Jesus? What has happened to every believer? Verse 4, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. They are blessed men. They are joyful men. They are happy men. Happy is the man who trusts in the Lord. They are happy men. So these last three points about what you do when you've been lifted up and set upon the rock, they help us to understand, are Naz and Ben truly saved? Because in one sense, they're still in the pit. They're still in this world, and this world is the pits. And so we've got to say, are they on their way out? Are they lifted up from the pit? Are they standing on Christ Jesus? And that's where we look at them and we say, do they give glory to God? And some of you know them far better than I do. You've seen them over a, a much larger lifespan than I have. You've seen them before they were converted as well, for a much longer period. Do they now sing a different song to what they used to? Do they used to sing praise about themselves? Do they used to sing praise about wealth or sports? And now there's a different song in their mouths. They're talking about something else. That helps us to understand, are they truly saved? And do they tell you about Jesus? Are they interested in you seeing what's happened in them and then you accepting it for yourself so that you are saved? Have we seen that they are interested in others being saved? The answer on my part is yes. They actually go out and do some uh, street preaching down at the, the Bay Run. And Ben, the other week, he was saying, oh, I just want to go where I live. I just want to start handing out some tracts. Do you think that'd be all right, Joel? Question every pastor loves to hear. Do you think that'd be all right? Of course, Ben, go for it. Whatever you think. Yeah, go for it. But that's what's happening here. He's got a new song in his mouth and he's wanting to see that people will see what's happened to him and fear and put their trust in the Lord so they'll be lifted up as well. And then what else do we know that they should be showing in their life if they have indeed been changed, if they have experienced that supernatural change of being lifted up from the pit? Well, they should be happy. They should show a joy and a delight and a happiness of life that they didn't have before. 
There should be a peace and a security that they know in their hearts, which the Holy Spirit gives. Fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace. We should see this in their lives if they've been lifted up from the pit. So that's Ben and Naz. Question is, are you still in the pit? Not on the way out at all. You're not being lifted up. You may say this is all rubbish this morning. On what authority do you say it's rubbish that you're in the pits? Don't you see that the Bible is true? How Have you not lived long enough to know that life here is in the pits? How much more pain does God need to give you for you to know that you're in the pit? Haven't you learned that keeping up with the Joneses is just transferring from one part of the pit to another? Doesn't matter how you dress up the section of the pit, it's still the pits. Haven't you learned that yet? Have you not experienced enough of slimy sin, the guilt of breaking God's law? Haven't you made enough mistakes and hurt enough people to know this life is a pit? Haven't you experienced enough pain from others and sin from others to know that you can't escape the pit? How many times are you going to try getting out of the pit and fail trying? Trying to escape sin and pain and death to know that you can't. How many false ideas are you going to embrace? False ideas are you going to embrace to find that they don't support you, they're just slime and you sink further into the pit with them. And how close are you going to come to the bottom of the pit, to sinking right through into hell before you will acknowledge that this life is the pits? And have you not seen a change in believers, in Christians? Have you not seen a change in them that shows that they are on the way out If you haven't, and you know some people who profess faith in Christ Jesus, and you haven't seen much of a change in them, then shame on those people. There should be a change, evident to all. A joy in their life, particularly, that you're envious of. Have you not seen that? Don't you want that? Don't you want to stand on the firm ground like they do, like Ben and Naz do, like so many in this room? Don't you want to glorify the God who made you? Don't you want to be saved and to save others from the pit? And don't you want to know that true and lasting joy of being delivered from the pit? If that is you, cry out to God now. Not only see that Jesus was raised out of the pit, but learn to fear God and trust in him so that you will be delivered as well. Not only see that Ben and Naz have been raised to new life, that they've been lifted out of the pit, but you too trust in Jesus Christ. Cling to him as he is lifted up. Cling to him by faith. Trust in him. Trust that he died in your place so many years ago and that you've been buried with him and now raised with him. And then look for evidence in your life that you're out of the pit. If you trust in Jesus Christ, look for evidence that you are. It's not something to mess around with and think, oh, yes, of course I believe in Jesus and that's okay and that's it. No, look whether you have that true and saving faith. How do you know if you have the true and saving faith? Well, is there a new song in your heart? Verse 3, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. If you claim to trust in Jesus Christ, do you sing a new song? Do you sing a song about God? Do you sing his praises? Not necessarily literally sing. Some of us don't have the greatest of voices, and so not everyone would appreciate us singing praises to God in front of them, but we sing a different song in the way that we speak. We speak about the Lord Jesus and are delighted to talk about him. And the things that we used to sing about, 
they fade into the background. The interests that we used to have, they fade because we've got a new song. Do we sing that hymn that we're about to sing very soon, uh, which is in your bulletins there? Verse 1, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. If you want to know whether you're a believer or not, whether you're lifted up out of the pit and reigning with Christ Jesus, even as you are still in the pit in one sense, there's still a now and there's a not yet to come, do you say, on Christ the solid rock I stand? All other ground is sinking sand. If you don't say that, then your trust in Christ is nothing. It's not a saving trust if you cannot say that. And then you should also see the evidence of you wanting to bring others to Christ Jesus. If you're not interested in seeing others saved, do you really know what it is to be saved yourself? You say, I trust in Jesus, but you're not interested in other people trusting in Jesus. Well, what's that trust that you have in Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? You certainly can't believe that you're in the pit and lifted out if you're not interested in other people coming to be lifted out by Jesus Christ. Are you interested? Are you trying to help others to see and fear the Lord and trust the Lord? And are you also someone who is characterised by joy? You want to know if you're saved? Do you have a joy about life? an unspeakable joy. At times it is unspeakable. But there's this pervasive joy through your life, a peacefulness, a happiness, because you know you've been raised to life, that you were in the pits and you're still in the pits some to extent, but you have been lifted up in Christ. And so there's a joy in your heart. All of us, if we do not see these things, if we do not see praise to our God, if we do not see that we're interested in others being lifted out because of our witness to our lifting out, if we do not see that we are ones who are happy, then what should we do? Well, we should cry out to God again. Cry out to him. Lift me up out of the pits. I'm not sure I'm out of the pit, Lord. Lift me up. Give me that faith that leads to a new song in my mouth, that leads to others being saved, that leads me to have a joy and a happiness even in this world. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak to him. Lord Jesus, we thank you for getting down into the pit and going lower than anyone else has ever gone so that your people would not have to sink into hell, the bottomless pit. Oh Lord, we thank you for lifting up so many of us, for hearing our cry and turning to us. And we thank you for doing this, particularly for Ben and for Naz. And Lord, we thank you that we can now sing your praises as you've given us a new song. We used to sing about other things, but now we sing about you and the deliverance we have experienced. And Lord, we thank you that you lead others to yourself through us, that they see what you've done in our lives and they come to trust in you. And Lord, we thank you for the happiness, the joy that you have granted us, that blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. And so many of us have experienced that. But Lord, we ask that if there's anyone else here today who is still in the pit, who is still sinking deeper and deeper, is not being lifted up by Christ Jesus, lead them to admit it and to cry out to you and be saved. And we pray this in your name.